Good morning, Chirocasters. This is Dr. Drew Rubin. Yesterday, a student asked me, do I really need to have a website or can I just use Facebook and social media as my web presence? And what do you think my answer was? No, you absolutely have to have a website. Uh, Facebook is fabulous and you know, Instagram, all those things are fabulous, but without the web presence, without like home base, how do people find you, right? You don't want them just finding you on Facebook. You want them finding you on a website that you can supply them information and access. And now, here's the podcast. Is I want to talk to you about this article. Uh, and I think this is so important to show why uh, you need to be constantly looking through research, constantly looking at what other people are talking about, not just focusing on chiropractic. Um, but I'm always looking at New England Journal of Medicine, at the Journal of Pediatrics, at Journal of American Medical Association. I'm constantly scouring their stuff. I'm, the Frontiers uh, Journals, the Frontiers in Neuroscience, the Frontiers in Pediatrics. Um, scouring these, I'm, I'm on LitServs. They send me information about different things. Um, and I, I think these LitServs are really good because instead of trying to, to like tr find the literature that you want to look at, it kind of pick out the literature that you might be most interested in. So I want to show you this. This is a huge article, just came out a couple weeks ago. How many have heard about this one? Have you heard about this one? Uh, how many people are gonna be going to see Dr. Jeannie Ohm in a couple of months uh, in December? Okay, she will talk about this. There's no doubt that she will talk about this. Labor, in, this is New England Journal of Medicine, the most prestigious journal out there in medicine. Labor induction versus expected management in low-risk Nully Paris women. Now, what does that mean? Right, when you look at that, it doesn't really, just that those words don't mean a whole heck of a lot. But let me give you what it means. Uh, and I'm, I'll just read you, and you can Google it if you want. I'll just give you the, the, the background here. Um, what they did is they took, uh, they, they checked women, uh, 3,000 women who uh, were around 39 weeks. And um, what they did is they were deciding, should they induce them early or should they let them go to full term and let them go on their own? That's essentially what this means. So here's the conclusion. Induction of labor at 39 weeks in low-risk nulliparous women did not result in a significantly lower frequency of composite adverse perinatal outcomes, but it did result in a significantly lower frequency of cesarean delivery. All right? So I want you to, I'm, I'm going to scroll this down so you can read it for yourself here now that you know what the, the thing is, but it's right here. Induction of labor at 39 weeks in a low-risk Nulliparous women did not result in significantly lower frequency of composite adverse perinatal outcome. So in other words, didn't change their outcomes much. However, it did result in a significantly lower frequency of cesarean delivery. So what that means is that by them inducing labor at 39 weeks, they saw less C-sections. And people are complaining about too many C-sections nowadays, right? So what do you think this really means? What is this in the long term? What do you think, where do you think they're headed with this? Where do you think they're headed, Nick? Very good, very good. Because people are complaining about the C-section rates. Too high, 33%, in some places like 40, 50%, right? Uh, that's not good, we don't, that doesn't look good for, you know, when the, national, the, the, U, the U.S. average is so much worse compared to like the world average where the world average is 15% or less and national, our average is 33% or higher. <coughs> so according to the World Health Organization, we're looking pretty poor, 
right, in that. So how do we change that, right? So what they're doing is they did this study and they found out that if we induce labor early at 39 weeks, we'll have less C-sections. It doesn't change the outcome, right? Whether there was a perineal adverse event, you know, there was whatever bad things might happen because you induced them early. Um, but what it does do is it reduces the C-section rate. This is so smart. Do you get why they're doing this, right? Just like Nick said, what they're doing is they're trying to find a way to justify having less C-sections and to justify, and what can we do? We can't get the C-section rate less, right? They've been trying for like 20 years to get the C-section rate less. It's not working. Whatever it is that they're trying isn't working. So someone came up with the idea of, wait, we'll take low risk. What does low risk mean? Healthy. We'll take healthy, low risk women and we'll induce them a week early and not necessarily concerned about the outcome, but we'll have less C-section because of it. Isn't that bright? That is like super, super bright thinking, right? And because nobody is knowing about this, right? This isn't like people aren't reading about this all over the internet because with a title, like I showed you before, like no news station is picking this title up. You know, because you take a reporter, a typical journalist, labor and I don't know what that means, right? But what I'm telling you is this is their way <coughs> of setting the stage up. So what do you think is going to start happening now after this article comes out in the most prestigious journal there is? What's going to start, suddenly start happening? Yes, the OBGYNs will start to induce early to reduce the C-section rate. And then they could say in 10 years from now, like, or whenever they do the next study about C-sections, look, the C they won't even talk about this. What will they say? Look, our C-section rate went down, right? This is brilliant. This is amazing concept of how can we use science to create a trend that we can't create otherwise, right? And I want you to think about that. I want you to really think hard about that because why isn't chiropractic taking advantage of this kind of stuff, right? What can we do, what can we do to create this, right? Now, first of all, awfully hard for us to get into New England Journal of Medicine unless they want to, you know, say something nasty about us or compare us to lower back pain, you know, and the last time I saw us in the England Journal of Medicine, I think the article was something to the effect of um, chiropractic care is about the equivalent to exercise and, um, and nothing as medicine is. <clears throat> so it wasn't a particularly, fa it wasn't unfavorable, right? It didn't say it bad, but it was like, you're, we're just as good as like, go, go, like giving someone a low back exercise program or don't do a thing. And we're, we're equivalent to doing nothing, which isn't, you know, great press for us. <clears throat> but that's because we've hung up, up, up our banner on back pain for so long, right? And so many people are continuing to hang up our banner on back pain. And now with the opioid crisis, uh, we want to jump more on the, on the back pain bandwagon, which I, I could definitely see the point of we certainly can do better than opioids to help people, you know. Um, just like I mentioned last week with that one patient who came in as an example with a two herniated disc, and in two weeks the guy is like doing amazing. Right, so he was a candidate for opioids. So, I, so in that sense, I definitely can agree. But that's not. But 
th that's not where we need to put our, our bandwagon. What we need to, to do, what we need to hang our hat is what we really do, which is to really get that nerve system working better, right? Because ultimately, <clears throat> that's what we're producing is better nerve system, better adaptation, right? We're putting in a, a novel, different sort of force into the system. The system has to adapt to the force in its adaptation to that force. Something changes. That's what we do, right? So what can we do? Did you have a suggestion? What could we do that could be something like this <clears throat> to, so, so that we can create something and then years from now measure it and say, look how, how we are successful in this? Because measuring how successful we are in back pain isn't working, right? We've done that for 120, almost 123 years, right? In two weeks or three weeks, so 123 years, right? And it hasn't worked. <clears throat> so what's, what can we hang our hat on? You have an idea? Oh, uh, I, I don't know, uh, <clears throat> I didn't read that part of it, but uh, in terms of in, in how are they inducing, most likely what they're doing is they're probably breaking the waters, you know, scraping the membranes, those kind of things. That's probably <clears throat> what they're doing, but it, there might be more descriptions. I didn't read the whole article. <clears throat> I was so um, amazed. <clears throat> but <clears throat> what we as chiropractors and as a profession need to do is to come up with something that can that we can do now that can change things later. And one of my favorite examples of this <clears throat> is dentistry. So you guys are all young, so you don't remember this, but when I was a kid back in the 60s, dentists were really a second-rate profession. Um, so I don't know if you're any of your dads are dentists or something, but, or if you know, have any good friends whose dads were dentists, but it was really, you could ask them about this. Dentistry back in the 60s and 50s and stuff was not really much of a profession. It was really a second-class profession. All they did was dentistry. There was a couple of people who did braces here and there. There was no cosmetic stuff, no this, no that, right? It was, so what happened in the 1950s and 60s? What did they do? They got together and they did something. What did they do? Well, who's brushing your teeth? Well, who said something? Whitening. Whitening? Well, no, almost, it, it, you, you got the idea. So here's the idea. They got together and they said, you know what? Our PR stinks we got to change this. we got to change this. So we, we're going to have a 40-year program to change what people think about dentistry in this country. It's 1950, right? By 1990, dentistry was one of the most sought-after professions in the medical field. They had not just regular dentistry, they had pediatric dentistry and cosmetic dentistry and braces and periodontic work and this thing and this thing and all these different fields and now dentistry is like, Dentistry was really plummeting in its, what it was doing, and now it's like looked at like, oh, a dentist, right? That's like the coolest profession because you make better, have better hours than a typical you know, doctor and stuff, but you're still entitled to all the privileges and stuff, right? So whole different ballgame. What they did is they decided where we were wasn't good, and they started measuring. They started measuring. If we have more people brush their teeth and come to us regularly, what happens? And they measure this on a global scale, not what I see here in chiropractic, which is they measure like this little, you know, group of people, whether they're in some practice management or some other kind of thing. If you get this zip code, you could be in our program and then we can measure those things. That's ridiculous. That is why chiropractic is so backwards because everything we do has to be, has some sort of a sales thing on it. What the dentist did is as a unit, as a dentistry profession, 
not as a this group and a that group and a this group and a that group and a this zip code and that zip code. They're like, all right, dentists, go into the schools, talk to the kids about brushing their teeth, talk to the kids about flossing, and we're going to measure this. And then they started publishing article after article after article. The more you brush your teeth regularly, the better your teeth are. The more you floss, the better your teeth are. Right? It wasn't the more you go to that chiropractor with that technique or, or that sort of system or this kind of computerized blah, blah, blah. Right? It was just like dentistry does this. If you brush your teeth regularly and you come to see us a couple times a year, you're going to have better teeth. And they proved it. What the hell are we waiting for? What invitation are we looking for? Right? All I see is infighting. Eh, Gonstead, oh, Thompson, oh, this practice manager, oh, that practice manager. Who the hell cares? Right? That's not what chiropractic was about. Chiropractic is about let's get everybody together as a team, a team of chiropractors. Not some people who are in this group and some people who do that technique, <coughs> but chiropractic. Why can't we all get together as a team and say, you know what? We've got to measure what we do over the long term not over a couple of years, but over the long term to change the way people think about our profession. What is it gonna take for us to do this sort of stuff, right? I don't know what it's gonna take or who it's gonna start with or whatever it is, but someone has got to start thinking about having this initial meeting, right? And it's not gonna be someone like me who's been out in the field for a while. It's gonna be some young kids like you who just graduate, who form up an alliance between people who are involved in this group and that group and this technique and that technique and get everybody together and say, everybody shut your damn mouths about your own zip codes and what you think about it and who's going to be in my program and who's in this thing and what poster we're going to use and how we're going to market this to the profession. It's not about marketing. What this is about is how are we going to elevate our profession, right? Because I'm telling you, they're going to change things. This is going to change things. In 10 years, when, they, when the C-section rate goes down, they're not going to point to this. They're going to point to, look how great we're doing, right? You guys talked about asking us to reduce C-sections, and we did it. They won't say the way we did it is by you know, changing the birth process, right, and ex expediting it to make it more judicious for us. That's not what the conversation is going to be, right? Well, if we want chiropractic to be where it should be, so it's at 123, as maybe in 133 years or 140 years, if we want chiropractic to be where it should be, instead of where I see it, heading, we can't, it's not going to be good if we keep on splintering ourselves into smaller and smaller and smaller factions. We need to, there's nothing wrong with having all these different groups and techniques. That's fabulous, right? But what we need to have is some cohesive message that says what we do, not what I do because I do Gonstead and what I do because I do Activate and what I do because I'm in this group, but what chiropractic does. It doesn't make a hill of beans difference if I adjust someone with Network or Gonstead or Thompson or TRT or whatever the hell I do, there is really no difference, honestly, in a technique. It's the person behind the technique that makes the difference. And the person behind the technique is doing one thing and one thing only, and that's chiropractic. If you're doing chiropractic, it doesn't make a difference if you're doing a total technique or a full-on high-velocity technique or an instrument-based technique. The technique is not important, and the practice management tools behind it aren't important, and the computer system behind it are not important. What is important is the results. Chiropractic works, but we look like a bunch of fools being so splintered. We have no voice. We have absolutely no voice because it's all a hundred different voices speaking up. It's me. No, it's me. I'm better. I'm better. I'm better. Okay, grow up. We're now 123 years old. It's time to get out of infancy. Time to, to, to get off you know, our pacifier and now start acting like a real boy and girl 
and talking about what really matters, and that is changing the profession as a profession, not as a little drip of it, but as a whole profession. So, I, I'm, and I say this every quarter with hopes that someone in the classroom, a few of you guys, when you guys graduate, take on this torch and go out there and do it because so far nobody has, uh, but I'm waiting and I will keep on saying this until I see this happen.